This episode is brought to you in part by Richmond Graduate University. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly. Richmond Graduate University can equip you to become a licensed professional counselor, integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. Welcome to the Crafting Character Podcast. Steve Carter here and in association with my good friends at Preaching Today, the Ascent Leader and Food for the Hungry, I bring you a podcast where I hope you get better at the craft of preaching and teaching and communication, but that your character will always lead the way. I'm excited because today I get to interview someone I've actually never met before. Most of the times I get to interview a friend or someone that I've gotten to know recently over the years. Um, But this is someone who um, I've just for a while been very, very curious about. Uh, Someone who I've read uh, some of their their books and heard their teaching and heard about their prayer ministry, but I've literally never had a conversation with the one and the only Pastor Jim Cimbala. Now, many of you know he's an author. He's a preacher, a pastor at Brooklyn Tabernacle. Um, Many of you don't know, and we don't actually even get into it in the the podcast interview, uh, but he also played college basketball. and I, I like that. I like, I like that. I mean, I played college basketball, but play is not the right word. I, I sat the bench, but I got free shoes. Um, but we are going to be talking about his new book called Fan the Flame. And I'm excited about this because what you're going to hear in the next few moments is as if you're just drinking from a fire hydrant. I mean, this guy is spewing verses just his heart, uh, just the, what, what, it's almost like what he feels every preacher needs to know um, in this day, in this age. So without further ado, welcome the one, the only Jim Simbola. Well, I am so excited to dive into a conversation uh, with Pastor Jim Cimbala. And many of you have read Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. Many of you know uh, that he's been pastoring for 50 plus years. Uh, but this latest book called Fan the Flame, and I, I love the title. I love uh, the whole heart of where this book kind of came out of. And I believe it's, it's a word for, um, for each of you preachers, each of you pastors, um, for why you do what you do. And so without further ado, let me welcome the one, the only, Jim yeah. Simbola. <laughs> Thank you, Steve, for having me on. Yes, definitely. Well, let's let's just dive right in because I, I think in a time where there are so many pastors who are questioning resigning over the last few years, who are struggling, um, this book reminds us of our calling. This book reminds us of the purpose of the church. This book uh, is just is just chock full of wisdom and stories. You're such a masterful storyteller, but, but Kim, like, bring me back to the Genesis. Why did you write this book and why now? Okay. On March 8th, 2020, Steve, my wife and I went to Florida. Uh, We rent an apartment here a block from the church in downtown Brooklyn. 
but we've owned for decades um, a little place in Florida that my parents made possible. And we went to our typical, it's hard with our schedules, the five-day getaway. And we left on Sunday night on that day, March 8th. And the next day, the pastor's board contacted me and said, don't get on a plane. Don't come back. Courts are shut down. Schools are shut down. Churches shut down. Office shut down. And wow, you remember those wild and woolly days of COVID-19 at the beginning. So we were like, thank God we have a place to stay here. But but what's going to go on? So it ended up the five days turned to 16 months. And we were there for 16 months. I, through a friend uh, uh, at Idaho Baptist Church, he gave me his auditorium every Tuesday. I taped Sunday messages. We combined it with previous praise and worship. I started daily devotionals because folks here in New York were getting battered by these uh, spikes of COVID. While I was down there, I started meeting with pastors almost every week. Southern Baptist pastors would call, can we come over, five of us, the next week, Assemblies of God, Church of God, Independent, Nazarene. And uh, week after week, I was meeting with them in my study, hearing their stories, uh, praying with them, reading the word. But the, the, the discouragement was palpable. The, the, the bewilderment, the confusion, everything racialized eventually with the murder of George Floyd, everything political, politicized. Uh, what's happening? It's a new day. Uh, when we open up, they, they, of course, had a different schedule than New York, like it was throughout the country. So I got such a burden, then started going to churches and seeing things that uh, I couldn't believe were part of... Uh, the Sunday church experience for believers, not very spiritual, not much biblical feeding, just kind of like uh, Christianity light, like Pepsi light, and um, and like a, like a late night talk show, basically. And uh, uh, I got a burden just sitting in a prayer chair I have where I prayed and read my word. And I got a burden to use Acts 20, Paul's farewell address to the Ephesian elders, as the backdrop and almost every phrase is pregnant with, with meaning. It became alive to me. So, you know, Paul in 2 Timothy says uh, to the young minister, fan the flame, stir up the gift of the, of the, that God has put in you. And that's the genesis of it. I started writing and Zondervan was nice enough to agree with it. And here we are. It's, it's beautiful. Um, think back because, you know, we've been doing this 50 years and, for many of us, we were greatly influenced by fresh wind, fresh fire, and just the the way at Brooklyn Tab, your your prayer ministry there. Um, did you ever think at 50 years ago, you know, when you were jumping into ministry, that, man, as you were kind of entering in the last leg of ministry, that, man, that the world could get to be the way that it was in the past few years? I mean, I just, I, I'm, I'm curious because with all of the confusion, all of the bewilderment, those great words that you used, was this like, do you look back and go, yeah, there's, there's been a season that was, that was tricky like this in, in your 50 years of ministry? Or was this like, man, um, I've never seen anything like this before. No, I've never seen anything like this before. When I came back, we opened up again July 4th 2021 
And uh, I came back. I'm born and raised in Brooklyn. Carol and I started with less than 20 people. Uh, you keep seeing 50 years, but I want to point out I began when I was six years old. Um, uh, but Carol and I began with less than 20 people. The first collection we took was $85, was the total tithes and offering. <laughs> That's using tithes and offering in a very loose way. And um, uh, we both had to get second jobs and we started plowing ahead. I wasn't formally trained, but I've been devoting myself all these years to study and reading and seeking the Lord, still learning. But uh, at the beginning, my sermons were so bad, uh, people were converting to other religions during my sermons, which is never a good sign, you know. And um, so learning a lot. And, you know, crack wasn't around yet, but a lot of heroin. We're downtown Brooklyn, homelessness, alcoholism, gangs. Um, but now that I'm back in my beloved borough, this is totally nuts now. This is Dodge City. There's, there's just, there's lawlessness. There's this new uh, criminal justice uh, uh, steps that they've taken. No parole. Uh, everybody, nobody spends a night in jail. So petty crime and even more than that are just going unchecked. So many homeless people, so many mentally ill people. So sad, you know. People laying in their own urine and then getting up and accosting people. Uh, just two days ago, my granddaughter, who works here on staff, was accosted by a homeless guy on the street who yelled at her, screamed, give me money, give me money, got up in her grill and was very uh, intimidating. And then followed her into a bagel store, was screaming at her in there and the police had to be called, but they might show up in 45 minutes. So it's, it's subway riding now at night. A lot of people are like, I'm not getting on that subway. Push-offs from the platforms, slashings, just total, absolute craziness. But this is the way the, where the Lord put us. You can't curse the darkness. You have to light a candle. And there's work to do. And we're seeing amazing things. We're bringing in 100-plus a, a new members here this month. And we've baptized uh, 40 people three, four Sundays ago. And six weeks before that, we baptized 80 or 90 on a Sunday. So people are searching and people are realizing, hey, life is a vapor. Yeah. Well, and, you know, COVID-19 has reminded us all of that. Yeah. Well, and, and I think what's great is even in your, your tone right now, and I, I sit with a lot of pastors and I feel like oftentimes it's a, just, you know, trying to find that next like hit of adrenaline um, and energy. You, you seem really re-energized. You seem like, like, hey, the, the, the harvest is plentiful right now. I, I'm curious, what was it about Acts 20 in that farewell that Paul wrote to those Ephesian leaders? What were some of those lines that gripped you that you were like, man, if every single church leader Every pastor could get be reminded of this. Um, this would this will spur us on and not have us waste a moment. Yeah, and I was being reminded as I kind of rediscovered that passage, which has always meant a lot to me. But I looked at it this way, Steve. Paul is taking a spiritual selfie. <laughs> He's taking a picture of himself. He's never going to see these men again. He spent three years in Ephesus, the longest period of time that we know he stayed anywhere, 18 months in Corinth, three years in Ephesus. So 
He's with these leaders. And by the spirit, he knows I'm never going to see them again. So obviously he's going to talk about, you know, really important things. And what he does is he reviews his ministry, what, what the Christian ministry meant to Paul. And I, you know, it must have been put in there for a reason, maybe for us to follow. You know, that's a wild, that's a wild guess. Maybe the Holy Spirit inspired Luke to recount that speech so that we would know what Paul valued. What, what was his message? How did he look at the work of the Lord? Just the way he begins. He begins like no other minister would begin a review of his ministry. You know how I lived among you for three years. How I served the Lord in deep humility and tears. Well, I mean, who talks like that today? You would think he'd say, remember that series I did on the life of, uh, of Elijah or, you know, some stuff. Do you remember the props I brought up and, you know, skinny jeans and a fog machine? No, he's talking about things that are very substantial and that I think we've drifted away from. And that's why 42% of all the ministers polled some months ago said, I'd leave the ministry tomorrow if I just was guaranteed a job with benefits from my family. And the average person who, quote, goes to church attends 1.8 times a, a, a month. So, uh, you know, there's difference between fantasy and faith. We have to look at the situation the way a doctor would. Your cholesterol's high. This is bad. you got to lose weight. That's how Jesus looked at it in the book of Revelation. He wrote to those churches, seven of them, and said, I see this is what's happening. He didn't gloss over, well, I'm on the throne. Don't worry, it'll all work out. No, he, he encouraged them where grace was abundant. And then he also said, but you need to change some things here. So in love, I'm trying to give a word of encouragement to pastors and leaders of let's go back to the fundamentals and do ministry you know, Jesus is building his church. He's not building the Brooklyn Tabernacle. I had pastors in Florida ask me all the time, uh, Pastor Jim, what's your vision for the church? How would I have a vision for someone else's church? Does that wow. make any sense? Did I die on a cross? Did I resurrect? Jesus said he's building his church. And in that book with the black covers, he, he gave us his vision for his church, how to do it, what equipment, what power. And we've drifted away because a lot of technicians have, been uh, have invaded the, uh, the fields and, and, and we're following Mickey Mouse stuff that changes every two years. And Steve, that's why a lot of guys are burning out. They've done this, tried that formula. No, that formula, no, that didn't work. This formula, no, it's still a revolving door in my church. I don't see converts. I'm not baptizing people. There's no new creations. Maybe I should go back to the word of God. Wow. Wow. And, and, and talk about this because I think as you walk through this book, you, you know, uh, chapter two, you talk about the heart of ministry. Um, chapter five, you talk about the unabridged Bible and, um, the chapter before that being not ashamed of the gospel. You kind of are like walking through some really primary tenets. Do you think that pastors have, have forgotten them? Do you think other noise has just kind of drowned out some of the, the perspective of, man, we've almost lost some of the, the most important stuff um, because we're trying to keep all of these other people happy? Why is it that we're struggling to fan the flame? Well, uh, 
I only touched on those things because Paul touched on them. So I'm yeah. trying to follow the text. But here, here's what is obvious. It's not admitted. It's not spoken about. But I, I know it as sure as I know the back of my hand. While I was in Florida talking to hundreds of ministers, then invited to speak in churches, and then having pastoral gatherings. Here, here's what the church growth movement has become such a detriment to the cause of Christ in this way. It has become a total numbers game. The idol of success. Remember, there was Baal, Asherah, Molech, and and Moses warned, don't let the worship of those gods uh, intersect with the true worship of God. That, you know, that syncretism will never work. Well, most ministers are sitting under people who are saying, to look successful and be successful, you got you got to think of three things: the numbers, attendance, the plant, where you meet, the venue, how nice it is, the lights, signage, all kinds of crazy stuff, and then um, thirdly, the budget: how are you doing financially? So now, what it's become is: how do I get this guy back next week? How do I get that family back? I can't rattle anyone's cage. I can't say anything that would be like, yo, I didn't come here to hear I got to change. Like, hey. (laughs) And and the parking lot moves too slowly at the end of the meeting. I'm going to find another church. These are things I heard and saw. And almost all the pastors, it was, as some of these uh, bogus church church growth uh, spokesmen say, if I see a guy off the third, off the middle aisle in the third row, and I know he's there for the first time, I only have one thought in my mind. This is one of the main leaders, unfortunately, of these, this kind of thinking. One thought on my mind, that the vibe, the praise and worship, the length of the service, the lighting, my message is such that he'll say, hey, I'm going to come back next week. That is a, I can't even think of the word, a sea change from since the Reformation. No one has ever thought that ever. It has always been, how can I get him to Christ? How can I get the person, the woman, the family converted? Not to come back, but church attendance is the goal. Here's the the number one question. How many are running? Oh, I used to have 180. Now I'm up to 400. But 400 what? If they're not converted, what are we doing? What will we do at the judgment seat of Christ? So uh, I bring out in that book that sometimes the main uh, mission field is sitting right before us on Sunday. People show no signs of being converted. Warren Wiersbe, my late friend, told me 25 years ago, Jim, sometimes I wonder if half the people in our evangelical churches are not uh, born again. Why? The vital signs are missing. You know when a baby's born? Baby cries, baby screams, baby's hungry, baby wants mom, baby's squirming around. Those are, that's healthy. If the baby doesn't scream, doesn't cry, isn't hungry, they call in specialists. Why? Something's wrong with the baby. The vital signs are not right. So here we have to shorten meetings, shorten meetings, shorten meetings. Why? Folks don't want to be there, but they're going to watch a three-hour NFL game with no problem. They hope it goes into overtime. They're going to do a thousand things that they're really interested in. So my thought is, why would God punish people by sending them to heaven to be in his presence where that has not been the thing they coveted when they were on earth? I'm not a legalist. I'm not antediluvian. But I mean, really, uh, you'll know a tree by its fruit. And we've got some problems in our hands. 
I, and, and I think you're, you're, you're hitting on such a great concept. You know, the, the fact of oftentimes in the church growth movement, you know, butts and seats, the bills that come in and the baptisms and often bank loans, you know, just like what kind you know, because it shows expansion. It shows the building. It shows right. what you're, where you're going, the campuses. And all of a sudden this thing becomes a mechanism and a machine to your point. It's getting farther and farther away from, um, the purpose of the church. It's, yeah, and I going love to that. all of the world. Yeah, and right, preach right. the gospel. Right. Make converts. I mean, there's a there's a, a novel idea. Make converts. And it doesn't matter what church they go to. Yeah. I had a woman stop me last Sunday at the end of the service. She had come forward to receive Christ, first time ever there. And she said, please pray for me. I'm following up. Some people are going to meet her this Sunday. I'm fighting crack. I can't go back to crack. I was on crack for years. And I mean, that, these are the battles we're in. Yeah. Filling, filling the seats with numbers of people who don't know the Lord, not really preaching the gospel. Christ, you know, Paul says, now you remember, for three years, I preached one gospel to Gentile and Jew of repentance of sin and faith in Christ. Well, I met guys in Florida who said, listen, our, the vision I have for our church is we don't mention sin. You know, Pastor Jim, a lot of people, they have a tough life. They don't want to come on Sunday and beat up, get beat up about, you know, stop sleeping around or stop being racist or whatever. They just, they want need a word of encouragement. Pastor as life coach. Uh, uh, and and this, is, this is a formula for a disaster for the Christian church in any country. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think what you see too in those situations is uh, we don't want it to be hard for them or them to have to feel, you know, any sense of disruption um, so that when they actually go into their actual lives and are experiencing disruption, they don't have the muscle memory to actually anchor in and deal with it properly. And, and, and so it just is actually worse for them. Well, I think um, we, we stopped believing the Bible. If I could just interject on the day of Pentecost, the people were stabbed, pricked, stirred in their hearts and said, what must we do to be saved? This is in the same city where they had crucified uh, our Savior less than two months before. So uh, uh, they were convicted, and then Peter gave them what they needed to do. But I don't think we want people stirred in their hearts. We're, we're afraid of what the Holy Spirit might do or what the gospel might do, because then some people would say, even as Jesus was on earth, some people, some people say, I don't want to hear that. I'm out of here. Oh, no, no, you can't go. You can't go. You got to come back next week. What do you want to hear? I'm going to do a three-part series on how to do, a, um, you know, a better, how to write a better resume for your next job. I mean, there's time and place for everything, but I mean, we're, we become ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Man, I, I'll tell you, this is, you're, you're going to make some, some good pastors just starting to squirm right now as they listen to this podcast. I, I love what you're saying. Chapter seven of the book, uh, I, I, I got through that chapter and that's when I was like, I got to have him on. Um, you talk about preaching through the Holy Spirit. This is obviously a, uh, a podcast for preachers, all about the craft, the right. art of communication, but always having our character lead the way. Talk a little bit about that chapter in preaching in the Holy Spirit, why that was so important for you. Again, it's coming out of Acts 20, but like, give me some of those, those points and what you would want to tell these preachers who are listening from all over the world. Right. Uh, it's this. 
many of us use the Bible for our source of doctrine and uh, our, our points of faith, which, which is absolutely a necessity. So what do we believe about Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God, this prophecy? It's in the Bible, in the Bible, only scripture, the Reformation cry. Okay. But when it comes to preaching, I've noticed that hardly anybody pays attention to the Bible because we're so anti-supernatural and we're cessationists to the point where we don't even believe in the electric light bulb, hardly. So what I mean is this. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, For my, my preaching was, was not with wise and pers persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Holy Spirit, so that your faith would not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now, what seminary really teaches that? My preaching was not with wise and persuasive words. That's the whole point. Get wise and persuasive. No, he said that wasn't. He presented truth. But there was this invisible power that he trusted in, not with wise and persuasive words, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. So if we were a fly on the wall, what did it look like? It probably brought about deep conviction because in Thessalonica, he stayed maybe not three months and he left a church behind with no Bible, no money, and no buildings. I mean, how do you do that? Or how about this one, 1 Thessalonians? For my gospel came to you, notice my gospel, because there were already other gospels which are, are abounding still today. Our gospel came to you, my gospel came to you, not in word only. I wasn't a communicator. We're dying now from communicators. No, but it came in power in the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. He said, that's what my gospel came, with power, Holy Spirit, the source, and with deep conviction. And in the Greek there, it refers not to just conviction in the hearers, but conviction in the speaker. That God has so dealt with them that when he preached, the people knew, yo, that is alive in that man. That man is on fuego. He's on fire with that truth, right? So um, I think we've left that kind of preaching behind. I just read a book that someone sent me some couple of years ago on preaching 150 pages. Not one reference to the Holy Spirit. Wow. I mean, I mean, I mean, how, what book are you reading? What Bible do you read? No, here's how to make connection with the audience. Here's your introduction. Remember, a joke somewhere along the way will hold them. And, you know, just by the numbers, mechanical, totally cerebral, and I'm not for emotionalism and the organ, organ pipe pumping up everybody. That, that is ludicrous. Emotionalism, fanaticism, not going to change anybody. But I am here in downtown Brooklyn. There's needs abounding. And I want to preach the Holy, I want to preach the gospel, as the Bible says, with the Holy Spirit sent down from heaven. So, so how do you do that? How do you, how do you, Pastor Jim, you know, who has the Bible, I mean, you've just quoted 17 verses in the last like four minutes, who holds the Bible in such high regard and yet is someone who, you know, is constantly looking for that fresh wind, that fresh fire to fan that spirit's flame. Right. How do you do that week in and week out? Because I think that's where so many pastors are like, I don't know how to do that. So then they just revert to the mechanics of here's a joke and here's a fog machine and here's a story and to the emotionalism rather right. than speaking as the text teaches us with that Holy Spirit's conviction. Well, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. 
And I wouldn't even say week by week. One of the things I bring out in that book is something that I felt the Lord has made so real to me over the recent years. And that is, Steve, your entire life is made up of one thing today. And so is mine. Yesterday, I cannot change whether it was good or bad. I can't undo one thing. I can thank God for certain things. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. Certainly, I'm in, I'm in the city where 9-11 happened and the pandemic and all that. Uh, so today is the day. Paul says, outwardly, I'm perishing. And that probably also meant I'm getting discouraged. I got beat down. By the way, have you ever thought of this? Paul says in 2 Corinthians, I was cast in the open sea, uh, beat half to death, 39 lashes twice, uh, shipwrecked, in prison, in trouble in the country, trouble in the city, tr trouble from Romans, trouble from Jews, trouble from false brethren. And then the two words he never mentions anywhere is burnout or discouragement. I mean, wait a minute. I'm in Sioux City, Iowa, and, and a pandemic is knocking me out of the box. Maybe he had a source, an energy source, a power source. We're not availing of ourselves. And he says in 2 Corinthians, but outwardly I'm perishing, but daily I'm being renewed. So I know from myself, without being daily renewed by the spirit and the word, I ain't worth nothing, nothing. I have zero. I'm not a great speaker. I haven't been trained. But if I'm full of the word and the spirit renews me daily, then I can give out something that will help people. And that's my goal. That's my aim. But it, ministers, how, how can we stir people if we're not stirred first? If we don't preach from a heart filled with love, how are we going to touch people? You know, the two men on the road to Emmaus, when Jesus revealed himself at the breaking of bread, then disappeared. Notice what they said. Didn't our hearts burn within us as he opened the scriptures along the way? They didn't say, hey, was that clever the what he presented? Hey, did you hear that? The meaning of the Hebrew and the whole thing? No. And I think we're lacking today, not, again, legalism. Don't somebody write me off as some fanatic, some uh, charismaniac. I'm not. I'm just a Christian. But we're lacking burning words. Not condemnatory words, words that get inside people's kitchen where they go, you know what? I need Jesus. I'm not living right. I need the Lord. If we don't do that, what's going to happen on the day of judgment where people, what, will come looking at us and saying, you never told us this is what it was really about. Wow. I'm now in eternity and now I'm learning what you never told me. I don't wow. want to do that. No one should do that. So, so. Bring me into, you know, I think I'm in your, your office right now. Mm -hmm. Like, what, is it, what does that look like for you to daily renew? Does that mean in the morning? Does that, are you a walker? Yeah. Are you like, what, is that, what does that look like for you in such a bustling, vibrant, yeah. filled with noise and drama and trauma area of Brooklyn? What, yeah. do, what, is it, what does it look like for you? Well, I live now, as I mentioned, I've lived downtown here for about 10 years. Carol and I rent uh, an apartment here about 275 steps from the church, which means I, I've done away with, I don't have a car, and I've done away with um, the commute, being stuck on the Long Island Expressway for the half of my life. So, but when I had homes, lived in homes, I had to study and I would go there. So now, uh, because I live so close, I start the day alone here. And I have, especially on Mondays, but every day I try to have my own service. I, 
I have the word, I read, I read daily devotions, but I just don't read the daily devotions, maybe three of them. I have a collection of very interesting ones, but I go to the chapter where the verse was chosen uh, from, and I read that whole chapter. Then I'm reading sermon books or, or commentary, whatever, inspirational books on the Holy Spirit. And then I sing, I put on my phone, and I sing along and I have music. Then I call on the Lord and I wait in his presence because I got to get renewed. If I'm giving out, giving out, giving out, who's pouring in, pouring in, pouring in? Then you become empty. I, I prayed right in this office yesterday with a precious man of God who works in Holland with drug addicts and he's burnt out. And he said, I want to quit. And I learned about his life. God's hand is on this guy. He loves the Lord. But things are so crazy in Europe and in the ministry he's involved in. He's, he's discouraged. And I told him, I, there's no sermon that will change you. You can be a five-point Calvinist or an Arminian. That's irrelevant. You got to be renewed by the Lord and get that fresh wind, fresh fire, not to use that name of my book. Uh, you you got to be stirred up. Fan the flame. That gift is in you. Now, come on, blow on that thing. Let God stir that thing so it becomes a blaze, and now you can help people. But as I tell the staff here, we can't help the people who come into our church if we're defeated and depressed and want to quit. So we got to pray for each other and be renewed on a daily basis. That's so good. Uh, <clears throat> Pastor Jim, we, you know, we've got a number of people who listen who are in just their 20s and 30s who are just starting out in ministry. Um, what words of wisdom would you give to them? And then also, we've got a number of people who listen from all over who are in their 50s and 60s and kind of coming to the, the end of a season and run. What words of wisdom, what does fanning the flame look like for these different generations, if you could look back and also speak to, to them? Well, again, whatever age group you are, we can go back to that selfie, spiritual selfie Paul took. And what do we learn about him? And what is it? It's confirmed throughout church history. We got to be uh, people of one book. We have to have the Bible living in us. We have to just be eating that word every single day because that produces faith. We can't go into cheap substitutes and, and start uh, uh, preaching stuff that might appeal to people on one level, but not feed them in their deepest level. Number two, we got to spend time with the Lord. One of the chapters I have in that book is the first calling on all ministers. Mark 3, Jesus went up on a mountain and called from all his followers, 12, and it's named, they're named. And he called them that they might be with him, that he might send them out to preach and have authority over evil spirits. So what's the first calling for each of us? Not CFO, not CEO, not writing books, not uh, checking uh, building plans for a new extension on the auditorium. No, the first calling is that they would be with him. And how did that work out for the 12 disciples? Wherever he went, they went. They asked him questions. They spent time. They ate their meals. They, they had communion. Relationship is one thing, but fellowship is another. So all ministers, we have to be full of the word and spend have time of fellowship with the Lord. From that will come what we should preach. 
I'm very leery of people who just glibly have planned out their preaching for the next 74 years and every series they're going to do. Might not the Holy Spirit have a different plan? I mean, if God led them to do that, um, I, I'm not going to criticize. But many times the devil is cooking up things in our churches, division, strife, envy, and we're stuck doing a study on the life of Elijah. And instead of uh, being led by the Spirit, maybe getting a word from the Lord, from the Bible, that will cut off satanic devices right in our church. But see, that comes from having faith and spending time with the Lord and realizing, I'll, I'll put it this way to close off. Elijah went to King Ahab and said, in the name of the, of the living God whom I serve, Elijah had a living God. I'm afraid if we don't spend time with the Lord, we have a concept of God, doctrines about God, systematic theology about God, but a living God who leads, directs, empowers, speaks, uh, uh, leads us, not extra biblical, not all that stuff, not new doctrine, not none of that. But I mean, you know, when Philip was out there with the Ethiopian eunuch, the spirit said to him, go join that chariot. I mean, that's not new doctrine, and yet it says in Scripture, the Holy Spirit said, can't he do that today? Can he direct us? Can he inspire us? I believe he can. And Pastor Jim, thank you. I, 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 I feel like just listening to you has just like stirred up my soul, and I, I just, uh, I'm hoping that for every one of you, you might go and just play this episode again but really reflect on some of those words that he shared. Um, how, how are you inwardly renewing your mind, your spirit? How, how are you spending time with the Holy Spirit? I'm even after reading, you know, Fan the Flame, just going through Acts 20 and going, man, well, what kind of letter would I write um, about my ministry? And, and what do I want to be true? And, and Pastor Jim, I just want to say thank you just as someone who um, has followed you. Um, I'm 20 years into ministry, um, but you're, your heart, your spirit, uh, which you preach, the way that you point to Christ, really reminds me of verse 32. It says, now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. And I just feel like you just have constantly been a voice that has pointed me back to the spirit, to that energy source, to that power source, to the one that can actually help me become sanctified, uh, can help me find that fresh fire. And you're an absolute gift to the kingdom. I'm really, really grateful for you. Thank you, brother. Thanks for having me on. Definitely, man. Take care. God bless you. Bye. Well, thanks so much for tuning in to the Crafting Character Podcast. And before you go, I got to tell you, um, it's, it's late October and hopefully you are in the prep and the planning stages for Christmas. For some of you, you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. We haven't even hit Halloween or Thanksgiving or Advent yet. But I think for many of us, um, sometimes with these massive holidays, we either get way, way out ahead or we are really good at procrastinating. And my friends are preaching today. Um, they have um, just put together an amazing article. Um, my friend Bree Johns, she's an amazing voice. Uh, she was an executive producer and teaching uh, pastor at a, a church in Arizona. Uh, but she wrote this article called My Favorite Christmas Theme, 
create memorable and meaningful Christmas services. And this just, again, why preaching today is so important to me is because uh, they, they release articles that spark insights, um, spark ideas. They, they're great conversation starters. And um, in next week, I'm going to meet with a team or like dreaming up our Christmas for this church. And I'm just going to bring this article and like have our team just kind of read it and just start to begin to ruminate and, and consider what might God might be stirring? Uh, what might we need to be saying that really speaks to our people in this Christmas season? So go to preachingtoday.com, check it out. You'll see that article. It's an amazing article by my friend, Bree Johns. And then also, um, if you're looking for a cohort to dive into, to get better at the craft of communication, um, we have one solely for lead pastors that's uh, launching in November that's being led by the one and only Pastor Dave Stone. And you know Dave Stone. He is just a legend. He's an amazing, amazing character guy. Uh, but he uh, took over for Bob Russell and then handed off um, leadership responsibilities to uh, Pastor Kyle Eidelman um, at Southeast Christian Church in Louisville, Kentucky. Louisville. Uh, how you pronounce Louisville is always just fun for me to say. But um, I'm really excited about this. Dave has just been a cohort um, coach of uh, the last couple of years, and everyone just talks about how their preaching has greatly increased under his coaching and leadership. So um, go to theascentleader.org, check it out. If you've got questions for me, hit me up, Steve at steveryancarter.com. But I'm praying, my friends, that you would fan the flame that you would dive, dive deeper into the heart of the text, embodying the cruciform life and preaching in a way that is true to the man, the woman that God has made you to be. Much love. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Grace and peace. Peace.